This is Meditations for Misfits, and I'm Fred Gruy. Last week, I uh, started a new series of uh, podcasts as I uh, attempt to share some of the things I'm wrestling with in my own life as I'm contemplating my retirement later this year and and just uh, the journey of my own soul at this time, if you will. And uh, so the the title for this series of wrestlings that I'm doing, I call it the Koans of Jesus, is really a reflection on some of the teachings of Jesus, particularly uh, the parables in the in the four Gospels. And I mentioned last week in the introduction that they are koan-like in terms of the fact that it's uh, my belief that Jesus was Uh, teaching these stories or parables to try to open our minds uh, from life-limiting conventional wisdom, as I think the way I said it last week. And and so I wanted to maybe unpack that a little bit for you, at least what I'm thinking about that uh, in these days of my life. And so maybe a a better way to rephrase uh, life-limiting conventional wisdom might be some of the social myths that that we all buy into and that uh, really do limit our lives. For an example, uh, I I, I was thinking about this week, is the wonderful story uh, taught or written by uh, Danish author Hans Christian Andersen. We call it the, The Emperor's New Clothes. And if you're familiar with the story, uh, you know what it's about. If not, it's simply a tale uh, about an emperor who was very vain and wanted beautiful clothing. And so some con men capitalized on the emperor's vanity and uh, told them that they were the most wonderful clothing makers in the world. And so the emperor was going to pay them an enormous amount of money for the best clothes they ever made. And so they made clothes that were really nothing. They did nothing. They made them out of nothing. And so they simply conned the emperor into believing he could see these magical, wonderful new clothes, and there was nothing there. And so they conned the emperor out of a lot of money, and the day finally came where the emperor wanted to show off his new clothes. And so the the whole uh, community gathered for a big parade, and there was the emperor walking with nothing on. And everybody pretended they saw these beautiful new clothes that were spectacular. Until finally, some kid in the back of the crowd yelled, hey, why is that guy walking around naked? <laughs> and that's kind of what I'm trying to get to with the social myths or conventional wisdom that we buy into. These are tales spun for us by con people trying to make us believe certain things and act in a certain way when really there's nothing to it. So that's somewhat theoretical, more practical. In my world, working as a hospice chaplain as I am, what I come in contact frequently is the conventional wisdom or the social myth that we call individualism, which is a big, big social myth or convention here in North America in the early days of the 21st century. And what do I mean by individual? Individualism is that belief that many people have in our country 
that uh, you don't really need anybody's help. You should just be strong enough and do it yourself. A self-made person. I I like the bumper sticker that says the self-made man. Uh, The problem with him is he worships his creator, (laughs) which means we all become a little narcissistic when we take great pride in, I didn't need anybody's help. I did it on my own. I don't need anybody to teach me. It's, It's ingrained in our culture. In fact, one of the crazy things is the uh, individualism, one of the individualism icons is John Wayne, uh, the Duke. Got to be tough and not cry and, you know, not need anybody's help and all that stuff. Well, the silliness of it all is John Wayne was a movie actor. He wasn't a cowboy. He was born in 1907 in uh, Winterset, Iowa. And his real name wasn't John Wayne. It was Marion Morrison. And so it's all fiction. It's all fake. And yet we buy into this ideal. And one of the things is I I study the Bible and have been studying it for more than 40 years. I've read straight through, cover to cover, at least six times, if not more, and parts of it hundreds. And in the more than 31,000 verses in the Bible... I have yet to find one that praises individualism or that has anything to good to say about individualism. In fact, individualism is not seen as a good trait if you, if you believe the Bible. It's just not there. The Bible really proclaims that we need each other and that we're part of each other and that we should be a community. And the whole idea of individualism is just foreign to biblical thinking. Now, there's other social myths that are going on in our culture right now and that are being challenged, and I would say rightfully so. For example, there's the social myth if you don't have a college degree, you're less than or not quite good enough. Or the social myth that if you're the wrong color skin, you're less than, or if you're the wrong gender, or you claim the wrong sexual identity, that somehow you are less than, that you are diminished. And these are wrong, and they need to be challenged. So so the question is, where do these social myths come from? How do we get them? Well, I find so much wisdom in the writings of Thomas Merton, as I've referenced before. And Merton was a big believer that these social myths that we buy into are promoted by our communal false selves. Now, Merton taught, and here's what he means, I think, by false self. So Merton taught that because we are basically estranged from this divine, sacred, loving other we name God, because we're estranged from the true ground of our being, We've all lost our compass, our true north star. And so we manufacture false ideas of what we want everybody else to think about us, about who we are. And so we pretend to be something that we are not. And the reason is because we're afraid. We're afraid that we're inferior and that we will be rejected. And so then we, these false selves in us, that are afraid, seek out other false selves, and we create a narrative, a story, a myth 
about what we should be like, of what we think we can achieve, and we make that a cultural norm, even if that uh, norm diminishes others or ostracizes others or makes others feel less than. And it's all in an effort to make our frightened, insecure inner beings feel safe and secure. Now, Merton was adamant that these all-embracing tentacles of these social myths must be transcended if you and I are ever going to be free. Free human beings to love and receive love. And I think this is exactly what the koans or the parables of Jesus are trying to do, to liberate us from conventional wisdom, life-limiting conventional wisdom, from social myths that diminish ourselves or others, and so that we could live fully engaged, loving and receiving love, helping others, being in community, in a real sense, equals with others, not greater than, not less than. I think that's what the parables of Jesus are all about. And uh, I take my cue from the very first words recorded in the Gospels by Jesus. It's believed the Gospel of Mark was the first Gospel written, chronolo- you know, sometime around the, in the, six, the decade of the early 60s of the first century after the Common Era. And in Mark 1, 15, it's recorded for us that Jesus came and proclaimed the time is fulfilled and the kingdom or the realm of God is at hand. Metanoete kai pistioete entu evangelio. And that's Greek and that's the way it was written. But what that means is repent and believe the good news. And repent is, in the Greek of that day, simply meant change your mind, change your thinking. And so what if the first message of Jesus literally was, change your thinking that you're less than, that you're not good enough, that you're somehow inferior or mutant, and believe the good news that maybe this being, this this God, absolutely loves you and accepts you just as you are, whether you ever change or not. So I'm just going to throw this out there as a suggestion for you this week. As you're running around doing all the things you need to do to keep your life going, if you might grab just a couple of moments when nobody else is around, just sit and get quiet and rest and just turn, turn off all the noise around you. And, uh, and let the voices, the, the voices that all come to all of us and say, you know, you're not good enough, you're not this, you're not that, you're too fat, you're too thin, you're not smart enough, you're not young enough, all that. So let, it, let all that just settle down, all the voices. And see if in the midst of it, think about what would happen if in that quiet, quiet place you felt something deep inside your bowels just speak to you and say, You know, I accept you, and I love you just as you are. How different 
would your life be if you had that kind of an experience this week? Well, you won't know if you don't try it. As always, thanks so much for downloading this podcast and uh, letting me share with you at least the kind of things I'm thinking about and wrestling with in my own life. For a concluding uh, thought this week, I'll give that to the wonderful Henry Nouwen. And he wrote, I'm beginning to see now how radically the character of my spiritual journey will change when I no longer think of God as hiding out and making it as difficult as possible for me to find God, but instead as the one who is looking for me while I'm doing the hiding.